0: my buddies here, and uh, I just, I love, I've been in New River, well, Kristen and I came here in 2009, and uh, I've heard this same story probably, I'm not even kidding, maybe 40, 50 times. I walked in New River, and the first person that I met was Jason Gilbreth, and he smiled, and he shook my hand, and he just made me feel so welcome, and then the next week, he remembered my name. And you gotta tell me how you do that, man, because I'm the worst with names. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. But this is just uh a a father over the house now at this point. He's um an overseer and um has been called away to Alabama and they're doing amazing work down there, and the family's blessed, and it's so good. But dang, we miss you guys. But um it's an honor to, to bring you up here this morning, and um, I'm excited to hear what God's put in your heart. So would you give me a hand in welcoming Jason Gilbert?
1: Thank you. Thank, you, thank you so much. Well, good morning to you. I hope you are well, and thank you so much for the kind words, Bill, and just so many dear friends here. Uh, we love you. We love you. And we are down in the far country in, in the deep south down in Alabama, but uh, they don't call it "Sweet Home for nothing." So I just wanted to say, we' love you, and it's an honor to be with you. And I would also say that I just echo the words that, listen, folks, we are so blessed to have a country that we call the United States of America. No other nation has done more for the gospel than the United States of America. Of the mission dollars that go across the world, no other nation has been a champion of the gospel like the United States. And listen, there's a lot going on in our country, but make no mistake, I thank God for our country. And this week, as you, as you eat some barbecue and you fly old glory, fly it with a smile on your face and say, God bless the United States of America because we are blessed to live in this country. And even on that note, we have a lot of, debate going on in our country right now, uh, w- just with respect to families. And I want you to know that what I'm about to say will be not one ounce political in any respect, but I want you to know that I believe that the church and this church, any believer has a responsibility to build strong families, strong families. And that's really what I would like to, to speak about today today. And, and before I even do that, I do also just want to say a word of, of blessing over Keith and Megan. And, you know, you may not know this. I know we're not here that often. We're here usually two, three uh, times a year, and it's an honor to be here every time. But I need you to know, Keith and I, we talk about every month, um, and I, I just love to hear what's going on here at New River and, and, and just hear the vision that the Lord's put in, in Keith and the leadership team here and so I just want you to know I consider Keith a great friend, and I'm so proud of he and Megan and the work that they, that they are doing here and the work that each of you are. And so I did not get to see Keith personally this time, but we chatted on the phone this past week, and I just want you to know that I so love you, and I'm so proud of what's going on here, not just today, but the territory that's to come, the territory that's to come, all right? I do want to talk about strong families, specifically... The, there's a few things that, that are going on that I believe are just so relevant for right now. You know, you, you've got these things that are historically just so good, and you've also got the things you're leaning into, but you also have what, what I call a, a "now" word, a "now word. And I think building strong families is such a word for now, for every person. You may say, "Well, my family's not even close to being OK. We need strong families. We need strong families. Just about two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, uh, Rachel and the girls and I, we went to my grandparents' home, and I have been so blessed by my physical family, certainly the family of God, but also by my physical family. My grandparents, who are 95 and 96 respectively, they celebrated 75 years of marriage, um, just a couple of weeks ago, and they still live at home. Now they, they get some help and things like that. They're they're not exactly out running 5Ks or anything, but they they're doing well. They're doing well, and we're so thankful for them. And I want you to know that strong families are so important because I recognize that I've got a lot of growing to do, but I also recognize the blessing that I've had because of a strong family and the heritage that they provided as part of that. And I want you to know that I believe it's the desire of the Lord to build strong families right now. And when we think about our family, you know, we we all have the in-laws, and some of them we would consider outlaws. And then we also have all kinds of elements. we got that weird relative, you know, you got the one who's like, oh boy. And and if you don't know who that is, it it might be you. So you (laughs) need to remember this. So please understand that I get family dynamics. Rachel and I lead a small group quite often, uh, and we title it Marriage and Family Dynamics because sometimes it's dynamic, sometimes in a really good way, and sometimes it's like, that's oh, just getting a little crazy. But listen, I want you to know we all deal with family. We all deal with family. And, and I want you to know that family is also a blessing. Family is a blessing, even though we have tough moments. And... The thing that is very apparent to me is dysfunctional families seem to be much more common than ever. Dysfunctional families may be more common than ever, but it does not make them okay because dysfunctional families cause damage. Dysfunctional families cause damage. Now before I go any further, I want you to know that the grace of God is available and ready for every situation in your family. Every situation. But dysfunctional families are not okay. You know, we need the, the, we need the touch of Jesus in our families. And your family may be dysfunctional today, but make no mistake, it does not have to stay that way. It does not have to stay that way. And I want to begin by reading you a couple of scriptures. The first one comes out of Deuteronomy. 5, 9 is in your handout, and I've also it's actually 5, 9, and 10. And then there's also a parallel scripture out of Deuteronomy... Um, excuse me, out of Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6. But I'm going to read uh, a scripture out of each one of these, and you'll get the gist of it. So out of Deuteronomy 5 and 9, it says, You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But... Going down to Exodus 20 and 6, it says this, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So what the scripture says right here, and let me say that both blessing and cursing are mentioned both in Exodus and Deuteronomy right there. And it's a little bit of a sobering thought to know that the things that I choose, the decisions I make, the choices that I choose now are going to affect my children, my grandchildren, even perhaps my great grandchildren. But also know that can be a vicious choice and it can be a virtuous choice. And the thing that is is apparent to me is that when we prioritize the things of God, we can have a generational blessing upon our family. And let me give you a little uh, background on this. There are such things as generational blessings and curses. You know, God gives grace to every person, and we make our own decisions, but it's like this. I would say a generational blessing or a generational curse is one where we make our decision, but it's like we grow up in a prevailing wind, if you know what I'm saying. We, it's hard to grow straight. The grace of God will help us do that, and, and every person has the opportunity to overcome it, but the prevailing wind that I face is very likely different from the prevailing wind that you face. And you you see families who have uh, financial difficulties generation after generation. You see families who have uh, illness generation after generation. You see families who seem to just be blessed. You're like, wow, this wisdom is carried forward from generation to generation. And, you know, it's just so apparent. But I, I, I believe that the word of the day is the Lord wants to bless your family and build a strong family. Let me give you a few things just for context. See, your life will be a stepping stone or a stumbling block for the people that you love. It will be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. See, some of the most common life hurts are family wounds. See, I've decided that I don't want my choices to cause my children to have to get over me later. And listen, I I am chief of wrong choices. I've made my share. But I want you to know that also know that the grace of God gives me ability every day and it gives to you the ability to choose life in every circumstance. In every circumstance. Your family will be blessed by the actions that you take when you obey God. Every single time. Today in America i will to give you just some, some background, just some practical stuff. Rachel and I, we, we've got a real heart to see marriages healthy. We've got a real heart to see families made strong. And we do a lot in that respect because God gave us grace when we were absolutely broken. I want you to know that. God met on our worst day. He was our best friend. And so I'm, I'm coming from that place. So listen to this. About 90% of people in America want to be married, but but less than about 50% of adults are married. Less than 50%. Since it's been measured, that's that's an all-time low in our country. Less than 50% are married, largely due to the fear of marriage and the problems that they've witnessed in others. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control, captures some of these things, 40% of births, in our country in 2016 were to unwed mothers. We're to unwed mothers. I also want you to know in 1950 married couples made up 78 percent of households in the U.S. 78 percent. And in 2011 it's 48 percent. And the fact of the matter is there are more people who are delaying marriage For a long time, and having fewer children. Uh, Just literally, if you rewind back to 1950, 1960, average number of children were 3.9 in our country. Today, that number is 1.9. So we're having half as many children. We're getting married later, and things like that. Now, listen, that's not a a a problem per se. In if you only have one, well, I only had two kids. You know, I feel like I'm blessed, and I've only got two. Um, But I want you to know that children are a blessing. And marriage is a blessing when we approach it God's way. Let me say this. When we have an opportunity to build a relationship with our family, we have something going on. And it's one of those things we can't always dictate exactly what our home feels like. But we experience it. And I'm going to talk about culture here in a little bit. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to talk about culture and there's one of the things that, that I believe we as believers have a lot of input on, and it's what the culture of our home is like, the culture of our marriage. And we'll, we'll talk to that here in just a bit. But here's something that I absolutely believe. I believe the number one felt need in every community, even in this community, is marriage and family. Because one thing that, that I have learned is that as, as successful as I may be in every area, if my closest relationships are not in good standing... It's a rough day. I may have all these wonderful things going on, but if my marriage and my family are in rough shape, it's usually a bad day. And I want you to know that, see, the church has a great responsibility here. You don't have to have a PhD in counseling to help a person. You know, when somebody is hurting like this, when somebody is drowning, they don't need you to give them the Greek word for life raft. They just need you to throw them one. I mean, seriously. Just throw them one. To say, look, God loves you and so do we. So here's something else that I'll tell you. And this is is a dynamic that has only grown of recent. Is the concept of blended families. Blended families. We have have, um, husbands and wives who have children from previous marriages and and sometimes multiple. And, And I want you to know this. Blended families are blessed families when Jesus is first. I can, I can introduce you to dozens of couples that, that we've sat with and heard their stories of saying, listen, we, we were all messed up and, and we just didn't know how we were going to get our arms around things. But let me say, a blended family is a blessed family when Jesus is first. There's a few unique dynamics with a blended family because on day one of a blended family, you have lower trust and higher expectations. But I can say this, that blended family can be an absolute blessed family. And I could introduce you to several that have experienced the grace of God and they're blessing others because they're giving away the grace that they received. I'll also say this. See, the devil, he, especially in a blended family situation, a devil, the devil, he likes to create a place that we can never go back to. He's saying, oh, well, see, it was so much better before. This is what this is what you had, and you lost it. And, and those are some of the things that blended families have to wrestle with. But make no mistake, when God heals it, it is healed. It is healed. And some of these things, these scars of the past, and these areas where we're just a little bit guarded because we have lower trust, and we said, oh, no, hey, my expectation is here. I don't been down that road, Jack, and I'm not going back, you know? Those are the things that we have to wrestle with. But I want you to know, some of my dearest friends in the world have a blended family and they're representing the grace of Jesus to everyone that they know. Because, and those children are blessed, they have great relationships with their biological parents as well as their, uh, their blended family parents. I want you to know it's possible. It is possible. Almost 50% of our families today in our communities are blended families. And I want you to know, if you are part of a blended family, either directly or indirectly, the grace of Jesus is on you. Here's the thing. We always say we need to pray for our families. We need to pray for a blessing on our family. Maybe the word of the Lord today is, he's calling you to be a blessing in your family, to speak the word of grace and speak the truth of the Lord over that family because God wants to build strong families is what I'm convinced about. And so your first point is this. Jesus wants every marriage and every family to be strong. Jesus wants every marriage and every family to be strong. You know, um, in Psalm 37, 23, this is a reference in your, in your handout there, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. The fact of the matter is, Sometimes you ask folks, well, how are things with with your family? They're okay. You say, no, really, I want to know how it is. Oftentimes you hear of heartache and heartbreak because some of the wounds of the family are the deepest. But I also want you to know when that wound is healed, it is one of the greatest sources of strength for that family and every other person that that family touches. See, anyone can build a house, but it is the grace of God who builds a home. We've got big houses going up. We, Rachel and I were just driving up yesterday, and uh, you know, there's usually a few months in between when we come into town here. I mean, there's a lot of houses being built around here. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but my goodness, these are not cheap homes either. Just wonderful houses are being constructed, wonderful buildings, and Middle Tennessee is booming, and that's wonderful. But I want you to know it's the grace of God who builds that home. We can construct a multi million dollar house but it is the grace of God alone that will make that house a home. See, there's something that's important to remember. For those of you who have traveled in here, I think most of you may have been on an airplane. I know I have been on my fair share. And one of the first things that we do when we get on the airplane, you know, you all get in there, you get buckled up, you know, you got the middle seat open, and you got a few stragglers coming on the plane, you're like, they took that seat right there and... So they, they come sliding in, but then you get ready, and they, they go through the safety announcements. And if you want to have some fun with a flight attendant, ask them to repeat some parts of that sometime to see how they respond. But um, they go through the announcements. So what's one of the important announcements that they provide on every single flight that takes off and lands in our country? Yep, keep your hands and feet in the plane at all times. Absolutely. That's a good one. I'll give you a five on that one. That's wisdom. I'm telling you. That is wisdom right there. But they also talk about, in case of an emergency, a mask will fall. Y'all have heard this? A mask will fall. And they say, what's the first thing you do with that mask? You've got to put it on yourself. Because if you are in no shape to help others, no one else will get helped. So I want you to know, if you feel like sometimes you're in an MMA match, mixed martial arts match in your, in your family reunion, sometimes you just need to get a little help yourself and say, you know, Lord, I, I need some help right now. So we have to stay healthy to help our families. And, and so my girls who are here with me today, I love them so much, and, but they know that my commitment to, to this lady right here is going to be second only to Jesus and them next because I'm going to love her and she is my priority and then my children. And it's, there is a, there's a right order to the way that we approach things and I have to make sure that she and I are healthy so we can be the best we possibly can be for them give you an example here. See, time reveals the truth whether or not we've succeeded with our children. Only time will tell because it's a process. How many of you can change your kid's behavior overnight? Not a hand went up, shockingly. You know, you know children, children they, you, they, they, they've got this thing called a will, and sometimes they've got a strong one. But, uh, but I want you to know that children are a blessing But only time will tell how successful we've been in the culture of our home. Only time will tell. See, parenting is more caught than it is taught. And the most important role that we have as parents, the most important role, is to introduce them to a God who loves them and cause them to depend on Jesus. I'm a part of that, and Rachel is a part of that, and you are with your children. But the most important role that we have is to introduce our children to a God who loves them. Make no mistake. And see, the basic concept of God is developed through our parents. See, I've heard it characterized this way. Our parents are the first image bearers of God that we see. That's the way that we first see God. And, And that takes me to my next point. And this is kind of getting to the meat of some of the stuff, but... My second point right here is strong families are not perfect families. Strong families are not perfect families. Because I could also ask you to raise your hand if you come from a perfect family. And shockingly, no hands go up. Because none of us do. None of us come from perfect families. But let me read you something here. You know, I told you that our families are the source of the greatest blessing, but also the greatest heartache sometimes. Why don't you read what the Lord says out of Psalms here? Psalm 56.8. It says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. The the Lord knows what you've dealt with. The Lord knows the family that you deal with now and the one that you grew up in. He knows. Psalm 39, four through seven says this, Lord, remind me of how my brief, Or how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me. Remind me that my days are numbered and just how fleeting my life is. See, you've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. Hold your hand up. The scripture says, You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. See, we're merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not even knowing where we're going to spend it. But so Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. And I want you to know none of us grow up in a perfect family but God knows each one of our sorrows and he knows the scope of our life. He can look at it and it's not even as big as our hand. You know, think about the generations that have come and gone before us and I can tell you a wise man once told me. He said, "Son, the days may seem long, but the years are going to seem short." And truer words have not been spoken. You know, my grandfather—I was telling you about earlier—that we went and celebrated their their seventy-fifth wedding anniversary, and Rachel and my girls can validate this. Each time we go to visit them, which I love—I mean, just two of the most encouraging people on the planet—but every time we leave, he he, he comes to tears. He, he comes to tears every time that we leave and he does that with about everybody that visits him it's, and it's not because we're special but i i think he so cherishes his remaining days because he knows this he don't have too many left here this side of heaven and i'm so blessed by that i'm so blessed by that but no family's perfect and ours is not either ours is far from perfect but i want you to know i thank god for it and i thank god for the seeds that we're sowing today that we will harvest in the future. You know, some of these events that you've had, family events and family situations, I I want you to think right now. uh, This sounds a little weird, but everybody close your eyes for just a moment. Just close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to think right now, what is your favorite one or two family memories? Your favorite one or two? I can almost guarantee everybody, it, it come to you immediately. I've got so many, but wow, these really stand out. Also, I want you to think about what are the most difficult family memories that I have, the most difficult moment. See, those come to you pretty quick as well. You can open your eyes. See, we, we all relate to this because every person, you may have a big family or a small one. They may live close, they may live far, but we're all part of a family. That family may be really functional, And it may be really dysfunctional. But I want you to know, Jesus cares about your family. Jesus cares about your family. See, rejection in life is often, rejection in early life is often our greatest wound. Father issues and mother issues are some of the most painful things that people deal with. I'm telling you, I've sat with a man one time, he was in his late 60s. And with tears in his eyes, he said... My dad never told me. He was proud of me. His dad had been dead for years. See, some of our greatest wounds come early in life. Jesus knows every one of those. He says right up here, you keep track of all my sorrows. See, until our past is healed, it's still controlling our present and it's limiting our future. See, that's one of the things that Jesus, he says, no, 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 I know, I know. See, I don't have this in your notes, but one of the scriptures that I'll, I'll tell you right here, Jesus says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. See, people in pain don't listen too well. Have you ever tried to counsel someone who's hurting? Sometimes they just don't listen too well because everything, is like they've got a, big grand, a baby grand piano sitting right in their ear, and that's the only thing that they can hear is the experience that was theirs. And it's hard to break through that. But Jesus wants to break through that. See, unforgiveness, this is an important truth right here. Unforgiveness is like an umbilical cord that keeps us tied to the past. Unforgiveness is like an umbilical cord that keeps us tied to the past. The level that we are able to forgive those in our family Will be the degree of the freedom that we'll experience today. And not only that, not what you experience, but the level of freedom that you'll give away in your family. Because I would also anticipate, I'm not gonna have you close your eyes again, I would also have you think for just a moment on who in your family do you know that loves Jesus and they just, just, just joy just flows out of them. Every time you see him, you're like, man, I wish we didn't have to stop our visit because it was just good. And then some of the other ones, you get there and you're like, getting kind of late. You know what I'm saying? See, let me tell you a quick story. I may have shared this before, but this is an experience that happened to me about uh, five, six years ago. But um, I was meeting with the CFO of a Fortune 500 company, a man who's very powerful. He handles literally billions of dollars every year. And I don't visit with him often, but um, we were having a casual conversation. This was not a formal meeting, but just a casual conversation. And a friend that we had in common was not there, and he was scheduled to be there. And I said, well, where where is he? He goes, well, he, he went to be with his family because his father died. I said, oh, wow, that must be really tough for him. And he goes, well, not really. Um... They hadn't spoken in a long time. And I said, that's, that's really sad, you know. And here's what I told him. I said, well, you know, I, I hate to hear that because, you know, of, of all the stuff that we do in life, we have a lot of things that are important our job and what we do and uh, the way that we do it. I said, but nothing's really more important than, than being responsible with our family and keeping those relationships well. I said something like that. And he stopped me, and he, stepped, he took a step closer, and he goes, it's interesting you say that. And I said, well, tell me more. Why? He said, because I haven't seen my dad in about 15 years. And I said, really? I said, does he live far away or something? He goes, no, no, he lives about a mile and a half away. I said, really? Um, he said, my, he, my grandchildren would not recognize, or my children would not recognize their grandfather because they have never seen him. Over old wounds and things like this. And this was a man that had so much influence and so much responsibility, yet one of the early wounds was still front and center. Now, listen, he was successful uh, in the business sense, but I want you to know in the relational sense, he was hurting and he was damaged over some things. And he didn't tell me the what and the why, we didn't go through all through that. But I want you to know, that's a, that's a discussion that stood out to me so much. There's also another story that I will tell you quickly. There's a, I shared this last week. I, I spoke at our home church in, uh, in Alabama last week. And we have a small group that we, I've got to participate in a few small groups. But there's one. We play basketball. And uh, I, so my, our, my good friend, uh, David, and I, we, uh, we're the old, two old guys in the group. So we're both 46 And everybody else is 18, 19, and 20. They call me the round mound rebound. But uh, (laughs) I've built up a little wind, so I can play, I can play. But there's a guy who started coming a while back. He's he's right in the middle. He's 30 years old. And he's become a a good friend of mine. But two weeks ago, I asked him to pray. So we usually huddle up, and right, right at the beginning of the basketball game, so we come in, we pray together and all this. It's just a good time. And these young guys are there, and they're all... You know they're not too sparky in the morning at 6 a.m., but uh, but they're doing okay. But we all huddle up and we pray. And I had never asked Brad to pray before, the 30-year-old. And Brad began, and he just he said something like this. He goes, God, thank you so much that you've given me friends. He said, Lord, you put food on my table, you've given me a job, and provided a wife that loves me. He said, I. I could not see this a few years ago. And I just want you to know, God, I am so thankful. Amen. And I mean, he just, he's, he's ready to play ball now. And, I, of course, I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. This guy, just the humility in his prayer. And I, I called him, and I asked him a few days after. I said, tell me a little bit about that. Well, here's, here's what was behind the thing just about 5 years ago he was uh, addicted to methamphetamine and ultimately went to prison because of it and he ultimately lost everything that he had including the relationships that he had but let me to tell you something else that he had he had a mama who loved Jesus and he told me something he goes my mother thank god for my mother he uh, here's what I told him i said Brad Jesus sees you right where you were and right where you are. Because, see, the devil is not afraid of where you were. He's not, he might not even be afraid of where you are. But the potential that Jesus has placed inside of you, the devil quakes over that. And I said, listen, you've experienced the grace of God, and you're about to give it away to a number of men and women that you don't even know about yet. And what he's doing right now is he is on staff at Teen Challenge. And I don't know if you know about this organization, but a wonderful organization. They help men, uh, they help men and women, young men and women that, especially, that are in the grip of addiction. And so I told him that. I said, you're going to make a big difference, brother. He goes, "What's well, funny you say that. My mama told me the same thing. <laughs> and so let me say, your family may not be perfect, but Jesus sees right where you are and reaches right in there. And he goes, no, 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 no. All those sorrows that you had and the, the wrong choices that might have been made by you or someone else, I see them all and I want to heal them all because I know what you have the possibility of. You can be a champion of the gospel both near and far and, and kind of the context of this was I was talking last week about Paul and I spoke on Galatians but Paul began the book of Galatians saying, they, you knew me the way I was and so did Brad right here. I was that way. But Jesus, through the grace of, of a mama, of a mother who loved him, showed him grace. See, the best way to help people through their issues, and this is people in your family too, is to give them responsibility in something higher than them. Give, them. give them something. Say, listen, you got bigger things. You don't see it right now, but God sees it. You got bigger things destined for you. See, religion says clean yourself up and then you can come, come into God's presence. But the gospel says you come into God's presence and he'll make you clean. And that's the difference in your family. You're like, you don't, you don't understand. Like dishes are thrown at my family reunions. You know, we've got, when, when you have more than three police cars at the family reunion, it's not good. You know, you don't understand what my family's like. Rachel and I sat with a couple not too long ago. Um, I didn't get the chance to meet with them much. From one of the most dysfunctional families I've ever seen. One of the most dysfunctional families I've ever seen. And you know how I'm talking to you. It's like when dysfunctional becomes normal. Like, what's the problem? It's the the way everybody is. There's not a place for dysfunction. There's not a place. Jesus wants to heal every one of that in your family. And I believe the church has a great responsibility to heal families in that respect, to to minister to marriages, to minister to families, to help children, to help people who are dealing with, with children issues and things like this. It's the number one felt need in all of our communities. It's the number one felt need. So I want to say number three right here. Strong families are a spiritual and civic responsibility. Strong families are a spiritual and civic responsibility. So we, we know that the kingdom of God needs strong families, but of all this stuff that's going on, you see all of the interactions, the, the big topics on the news that are going with people that are, frankly, in, in a bad way. They just have no trust of anyone, no respect for authority of any kind. And you see some of these things going on. I believe the best way that we can serve our country And I'm saying this on July the 1st. We're going to celebrate Independence Day on Wednesday. And I'm going to fly old glory and I'm going to eat barbecue like every one of you. And I'm thankful for our country. I believe one of the greatest civic duties that we can do is to help families. I believe that one of the greatest things we can do is help families. Give you an example. Psalm 112. I'm just going to go ahead and read this. Psalm 112 says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. Everybody say, everywhere. everywhere. And an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. See, let me tell you something. 70% of violent crime in our, in our country is committed by men who have just broken, had a, a relationship with a spouse or girlfriend go south. Did you know that? See, 85% of the youth or adolescents in prison came from a fatherless home. There's a good friend of ours that's in, our, uh, in our, one of our, our marriage groups. He works at the federal prison in Talladega, Alabama. And he was telling something very interesting one night. Uh, it, was, it was actually Mother's Day. And he goes, yeah, we sold all these Mother's Day cards. And he goes, you know what's interesting? We don't sell too many Father's Day cards. That was in the, in the federal prison. Isn't it interesting? See, I want to tell you something else that this really struck me when I was doing a little preparation for today. There's a Catholic psychologist named Paul Witts. And he, he wrote a, a book called The Psychology of Atheism. The Psychology of Atheism. And he talks about some of these intense atheists throughout history. Some of the most prominent, the most influential atheists of recent years. Folks like Nietzsche. Folks like Voltaire and Madeleine Murray O'Hare. Some of these prominent atheists that you've probably heard of. He looked what they might have in common... What do you think it was? Of the, there were more than a dozen that he looked at. More than a dozen. They all had a resentment for their father. Tell me that one of the greatest responsibilities that we have, tell me that the church has a responsibility to build strong families, to help dads be dads, help moms be moms, Because how many other people need a praying mom and a praying dad to help them? Also give you something else. See, most people see God through the filter of Pharaoh, through the filter of a parent, or the filter of an authority figure. And no person is perfect. But when when we grow up like that, our 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 idea of God is distorted. A little bit. And we think God is either distant or absent. Maybe he's angry or maybe he just don't like me. You know, I know he probably loves me, but he don't like me. That's the way that sometimes many grow up. And I want you to think about this. See, the success or failure of our parents does not change who God is. God is who he is in spite of all those folks. As good and wonderful as our parents or grandparents or our ancestors may be, As good or bad as any of our authority figures may be or have been, it does not change God's character one bit. God is a wonderful father, and he invites you to say, take me to the task, I will prove it. God will not let you down as a father. He just won't. He just won't. See, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us know who God really is. Because as wonderful as my parents are, and I think they are top-notch, the best thing that they did for me is introduce me to a God who doesn't make mistakes. And they helped me do that. I also want you to know that if we don't forgive our parents, we have about a 0% chance of healing. If we've got father issues or mother issues, if we don't deal with that and extend forgiveness, we've got a 0% chance of being healed from that. See? We treat God like a perfect father and he will prove that he is indeed just that. Amen. Number four, strong families have a healthy culture. So I want to read Psalm 128 to you. It says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olives. Olive trees as they sit around your table. See, that is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And may Israel have peace. That's the culture that I want. I want to see a full table. How many of you have had a full table in your house and it's good? You know, look, I... I, I want that kind of a culture. I want one where my children and my grandchildren are refreshed when they come to the table at our home. I want our church, I want our church to be like that too, where it's it's a place of refreshing. It's a place of power, and it's a place of stability. See, strong families like churches and even businesses have a healthy culture. Have a healthy culture. See, culture is formed by what you celebrate and what you discipline. What you allow and what you disallow. You may, you may set the rules over here, but how you behave determines the real culture of the home or of the church or of the business. See, marriages and families aren't always ruined by bad things. Sometimes they're ruined by good things that are simply out of priority. We put the emphasis On a good thing, but it's not the first thing, because the first thing says, "We're going to serve God, and I'm going to love this this woman right here above every other relationship on earth, and I'm going to help them, and be a dad to them in every way that I possibly can. Everything else comes after that. See, right priorities precede the right culture. Right priorities, spiritual, the marriage, the children, everything else. See. I want to give you a few healthy disciplines and traditions. Now listen, I could also, I'm not going to ask you to do this again, but I could also ask you to close your eyes and say, think about the traditions in your family. Think about the traditions in your home. Like many things, some of the things that you consider small right now, the significance grows in time. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you experience an event, it seems kind of Good, but mediocre at the moment. But when you go back and watch the video a few years later, that was a moment right there. That was a holy moment right there. See, the culture is determined by what you celebrate and what you discipline, by what you allow and what you don't allow, by what you champion and what you smother. That is going to tell you the culture of your home. That will tell you the culture of our churches and the culture of our business. See, success is dependent on unity every single time. See, failure is always preceded by disunity. See, the devil's got a plan, divide and conquer. Well, God's got a plan as well. It's called unify and conquer. And that is the difference. That is the difference. That is the difference in every home. That is the difference in every church. That is the difference in every business. God's plan is to unify and conquer. The devil's plan is to divide and conquer. There are no exceptions to this. Success is preceded by unity. Failure is preceded by disunity. There are no exceptions to this. See, I told you this before, but I want to reinforce it right now. We're all called to pray for our family, and I pray that you do. Please pray for your family. We pray a blessing on our family. But the Lord may say, You're, you be the blessing in your family. You, you pray for the, you pray the blessing, but you be the blessing in this family. You may be the one mom that's praying for that child that just can't seem to get it right. They've struggled. They've wrestled. For whatever reason, it's just like one after another, and it's a vicious cycle. You be that blessing in that family. I can tell you that prayer in your family is nuclear in the world of the Spirit." It just is. It just is. See, the elephant in a room sometimes is what the whole family chooses to ignore. Well, you know, dad's just a raging, anger, angry person. Nobody else knows that, but we know that. Or whatever it is. You know, see, here's the thing in your family. I'm talking about your immediate family and your extended family. The elephant in the room is known by everybody. Everybody knows about it. You may, not, you may choose not to talk about it, but everybody knows about it. You will not conquer the thing that you refuse to confront. And I'm not saying confront like this, let's talk. You know, some families, let's talk. You know, this is kind of the posture that we got. No, no, no. Jesus wants to deal with things. And he says, listen, my burden is light. I'll give you grace to deal with every one of these situations because he wants you to have a strong family. See, y'all remember the movie Cool Hand Luke? Paul Newman, back in the day, in 1967. It's a famous western, and it has a famous line in there, and this is all too common in so many families. He goes, what we have here is a failure to communicate. (laughs) And we cannot let our families have a failure to communicate because the most important people to you, you've got to communicate here and say, listen, and I'm going to ask you to do this today before we close, and I'm about to close. I'm going to ask you to think about, is there a person or two in your family that you need to, to have a conversation with? It may be to say, listen, you may not know this, but you've been such a blessing to me. You you didn't even say anything. You just give me a hug when I really needed it. Who do you need to tell that to? Someone who's been a burr in your saddle for a long time and you've allowed misbehavior to go on. You know what? We need to talk. It's not because I want to get you. It's because I I want to get past this. See, nine of the most important words you'll ever hear most important words you'll ever hear is, I'm sorry, I was wrong, can we start over? That'll change the culture in your family. See, strong families have a healthy culture. The best person does the right thing first in your family. The best person does the right thing first. I'm going to give you uh, four quick ways to exercise faith in your family. This is not in your notes, I'll make these fast. Number one, don't blame yourself for your kids or your family being imperfect. Look, I may have had a hand in it, but don't blame yourself for everything. Look, I, I know I've made my mistakes, you've made yours. Don't blame yourself for everything. That's thing one. Um, thing two, it's a process. You know, it's, it, it's a process. So don't look at the current circumstances and give up. So, thing one, don't blame yourself for everything. Thing two, don't look around and give up. Thing three, do what the Bible says. Do what the Bible says. Thing four, pray about issues and problems. How many know that the Bible says if two of you agree is touching anything that you would ask, it'll be done by your Father in heaven? See, if you don't pray, you worry. And when you worry, you fight. Am I wrong on that? When you don't pray, you worry. And when you worry about something, you tend to fight. See, there's a difference between a the thermostat and a the thermometer. And this will be the case in your, in your house as well. I'm not talking about just your house I'm talking about your home. What's the thermostat and the thermometer in your home? See, the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, the thermometer tells you what the temperature is, but it doesn't do anything to fix it. The thermostat determines the temperature in the room. And that is a big difference. Because I told you, you may be the blessing in your family. You go be the, thermost- you go be the thermostat. You're like, you know what? I may walk in. It may be a chilly room, but it's going to be warm in Jesus' name. All right. <laughs> It's hot outside today, by the way. It's good in here, though. Thank God for AC. Listen, the last thing I want to share, and then we're absolutely going to close, is strong families produce a spiritual legacy. Strong families produce a spiritual legacy. Hebrews six twelve says, "We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through who through faith and patience." Everybody say, "Faith and patience." Lord knows we need faith and patience in our family. We need faith and patience in our family. But that is the very way that you will inherit what was promised. I'll read the scripture again. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. See, Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I want you to know, you may leave money to your children and to your grandchildren, and I pray you do but there is nothing that will replace a love for Jesus and the things of God. No amount of money can replace a spiritual heritage in Jesus. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 103 The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only dust. Our days on the earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we're gone as though we had never even been here. But the love of the Lord remains for those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. Remember, we're talking about legacy. Of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. See, our number one job as parents and leaders is to get people to know God and depend on him. That'll change your family your union, right there. That'll change it. You know, my grandfather, he told us a while back, he, he's already picked out the songs he wants us to sing when we celebrate him transitioning to heaven. And I can tell you, he loves to sing. And I, he, I, I know that day's coming. But you know what? It's going to be a celebration because he's left a spiritual heritage to our family through him. See, a godly heritage is better than having great wealth. That's what the Proverbs Said in 1322. I know it's not in your notes. And see, here's the thing we've got yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We think about what's happened in the past, we think about what's happening today, and we anticipate what's happening tomorrow. But let me say this if we only live in the future, we'll always be frustrated with today. And I want you to be thankful for the blessing. That God has given you today. You may say, you haven't met my family. You know what? You thank God for what you have. You thank God for what you have, and you say, God, I want to be the blessing in this family. We want to become strong. We may be strong today, but we can be stronger. We may be a mess, and we are the poster child for dysfunctional, but no more in Jesus' name. Today, we're going to offer grace, and we're going to speak kindly to one another, and we're going to show the love of God to all those that we come in contact with. It doesn't mean that we ignore issues, we deal with them, but we deal with them in a godly way that's loving and graceful, right? We speak the truth in love, like the Scripture says. See, I heard a guy say this one time. He says, I had, I had a many problem that were too big for me, but none were too big for me and my family. None. See, the Bible never says that weapons will not form against you but he promises they will not prosper. Weapons may form against your family, but by the grace of God, those weapons will not prosper. See? I want to tell you the, the last thing, and then I'm going to pray. If you've got notes, I want you to write this down. What is the number one thing in your family right now? Identify the one thing today that you need to deal with? Do you need to give someone just a heartfelt appreciation? You need to tell them. Write, you, know, you say, well, that's kind of weird. Well, be weird then. Write them a card. You know. I promise they will remember because remember a while ago when I told you to remember some of those things that were the biggest blessing and the best time you remember in your family? You, you thought of it. You can create some of those times within your family, and you create a culture that rewards grace and it punishes rudeness. You know what I'm saying? You just say, look, we don't, that's not the way we do things here. That's not the way we do things. Number two, who is a family member that you'll communicate with today? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's somebody you haven't seen in years. Maybe you're like my CFO friend who says, It's interesting you say that. He lives a mile and a half away and we haven't spoken in 12, 15 years. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's just someone to say, look, I I haven't told you enough. I I need to give you a hug and just say, thank you for being there for me when I was down. See, we say one day when as an excuse to inaction. Don't let one day when continue. Make that day today. You're about to go celebrate Independence Day and be around a lot of people, and we're going to fly the flag and eat barbecue and watch fireworks, and it's going to be fun, and I'm going to celebrate that with all of you. But you're going to see people that you need to reach because some of your family don't know God. I've never met a family that there wasn't someone that didn't know God, and you represent the grace of God to them. I love you, and I just want to pray for you. So. If you would, just stand to your feet with me. I just want you to hold your hands out kind of like this. I know it seems a little silly, but just hold your hands out like this. And I pray that right now that you hear the voice of the Lord. And Father, right now I just pray over everyone in this room, the children to the adults of all ages, you know the experiences that we've had. You know the people that we have the ability to reach. You know our own heart. Maybe someone in this very room is far from God today. And you've had a praying family member that brought you to this moment. And I pray today that you've gotten a picture of the grace of God. All the filters that you've been viewing God through are removed and you can see God for who He really is. He is a perfect Father. And He loves you. So I just want to pray for you right now. Think, of, think about the person that you need to speak to quickly. If you need to make a decision for Jesus today, today's your day. Because He said that if you confess your sins and acknowledge Him as Lord, you will be saved. And so everybody, just pray with me right now. Lord Jesus... Thank you for your word. Forgive us of our sins. Help us have strong families. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be dismissed. Um, Thank you for being here today. It's an honor to be with you. Blessings on you. We love you. If you're in Alabama, come see us. We'll feed you some barbecue.